Hi there. Thank you for downloading, listening to, and watching the Lean Into Artcast. This is a show where a couple of visual storytellers get together and take a walk around various topics that tend to cross your path when you go on this adventure of communicating with images. We think hard about this stuff, so you will too. My name is Jersey Drozd. I'm a cartoonist and teaching artist, and the other host is named... Hey, I'm Rob Stenzinger. I am a user experience designer and uh, interactive maker of games and stuff, and I teach those things as well. Good to see you again, Rob. Uh, Good to see you. We're, we're closing out on the end of 2020, not to belabor that idea, but rather than do a um, sort of like reflection on the year or planning for the next year, we do that a lot of that on the show. Uh, you came up with a fun idea, like actually, like like let's end on a high note of just celebrating making things, focusing on one of the tools that we've been using a lot lately. And what tool is that? Well, it's Clip Studio Paint. It's back again. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, if if you're an illustrator, you do something to make visual stuff, and it's you you do that in any kind of like handcrafted way. Clip Studio is is fantastic, and it obviously, if you do uh, comics, it's I mean, it's it's thought of you. It's thought of you a lot. Where other tools have sort of thought of the general idea, or maybe they thought of maybe photography more than other tasks. But nope, Clip Studio Paint. You're if you're a comic artist and illustrator, it's got you in its forefront. And are we sponsored by? uh celsius jersey we really should be we really should be that's something that i think i need to reach out to them and say like hey you know what we've talked about your application quite a bit on this show over the years and um and that and that's to say like I, I put out the call a little earlier today um uh if you're curious about this application, you know, like I get asked this a lot when I do live streams. I do, I do drawing live streams every once in, a, once in a while, and they're like, "Oh, what, which tools do you use? Which brushes do you use? Which version are you using, and why?" So that's another thing. Like if you're if you're kind of curious about Clip Studio Paint, this is going to be a good one for you because we're going to go through, I don't know, as many as we can, sort of like um, things we've been doing in Clip Studio Paint recently, and encapsulating it as like a feature that we really dig. Um, an, an aspect of the application that makes us really happy. So are you ready to dive into it, Rob? Yeah, let's go there. All right. And that's what happens next. Okay, so... Uh, who honestly, I'm happy be, to be the trainer or the Pokemon, either way, in the ideal situation. So our audience could be all Pokemon trainers, and all of a sudden they show up and have lots of tips, by the way, which we're welcome to amplify that signal and uh, talk about that. Try to work that in as well. That, so. that too. So people who are watching live, if you want to comment some of the things that you really enjoy about this application, let us know in the chat. We're watching the chat. Uh, also, you can join us in the Lean Into Art Discord. Um, the invite link is in the show notes for this episode and every episode. Uh, join us there and, and go into the comments channel and let us know what you are enjoying about Clip Studio Paint recently. Um, Rob, I, I would love to hear what you've been working on in CSP. <laughs> Because I, 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 share, I share my drawing live streams all the time. I feel like I'm spending a lot of time yeah. with CSP, but I want to hear how you're using CSP. Yeah, and, and for me in my role in this show, I'm not someone who is uh, like teaching with Clip Studio Paint day in, day out. So you'll see me like looking for like where did I put my keys kind of thing. Like 
it, and that's how it works. I'm, I'm working behind the scenes to make assets for video games and illustrations for articles and, and you know, book I'm writing on and all that um, and visuals for workshops. And so that it's um, I'm planning on doing more streaming. I think that's a great idea. So I hope to I hope to get pra more practice that demoing with this. But um, yeah, without further delay, let me go to the Clip Studio machine. Um, Oh, look at that. That looks uh, great, Rob. Hey. Oh, thank you. You know, working on things, the setup, all that. Um, let's see. This is actually not the first demo, so let me flat, flip over to a different tab. Um, let's see. I happen to be using something that's newish to me as well, a little thing from the holiday season that showed up, which is the Huion Canvas. Um was it to the tw canvas 22 plus i think is the model title um anyway so i am working working with uh practicing with this thing too uh it's been a while i've been using uh small tablets for a number of years since my um my 12 wacom 12 ux or something just sort of wasn't so happy anymore um but yeah here 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 is uh, this project I've been working on. Um, so Guitar Fretter, a little bit of background. Guitar Fretter is a video game I made some time ago and have made many updates since, right? It's, um, but it's all about making it fun to um, learn the note positions on a guitar fretboard by turning that memorization into a game. And I haven't really updated the brand of it or the art much in the last, you know, 10 years, right? Little, little bits of here and there with the icon and, and stuff like that to launch the app. Um, but I'm doing a, a refresh and update in part to make sense because I'm splitting the game into two things. Uh, I'm making a free version and, uh, a, well, keeping the paid version. Um, always a puzzle. That's another interesting topic. Like when you have apps out in the marketplaces, how do you make it easy to, you know, let others discover you and try what you created and all that different marketplaces make that, you know, easier or not. Um, anyway, so that's where I landed. I'm making, so guitar fretter and then there's guitar fretter free play. Um, what you see here is the, um, the original guitar fretter logo. And, uh, now I've been working on a couple of things about that logo. The, the, um, it's like, what, what am I trying to say? The, you know, it's like the, the characters, um, why do characters matter and all that? Well, I don't know. It's someone to you know put a little bit of narrative. So I'm going to sprinkle a tiny bit of narrative more than what's implied in guitar fretter. So it's like, clearly that you've got this, this penguin and this guitar and they're in a video game. And if it goes well, they're happy. And if it doesn't, they're saying, ouch. Right. But, Anyway, so little bits of that, and this is uh, me updating their design. Um, so here, here's where I'm. The, here's the work in progress. Um, both up. If you, so if you notice the um, like that's an update for the the text and the um, the actual um, you know those characters. So compare uh, guitar fretter, right? You see the mm. the style of the writing. Mm-hmm. Small change, but but significant. And that's going to be um, a demo here, and then also the characters um, showing that uh, you know the cute look is something I'm I'm still wanting to retain, but then uh, I'm looking to refine that a bit. So here's something 
and I'll just show you. Um, scroll, scroll back in time with my uh, my sloppy layer management here, and you can see. So I've you know, I've got certain things separated out, um, and if I go back far far enough in time, I think you will start to see. Uh, I should get rid of this. Get rid of the background and that, and so and get rid of that. And so see different things I was experimenting with and whatnot. But let's get rid of the new the new folks up front. Boop boop. And boop boop. And the first thing I was going to show is how the um, you know these stages of refinement for those characters um, you know started with with doing doing a, a sketch and trying to think well what am I trying to say and then looking for like what's the strong pose in and you know what's uh, what captures the essence of like how they're feeling and what might be exciting to look at all right so now I'm trying to find so here you go. Here's the two layers that are really subtle where it's like I'm landing, I'm getting closer to um, to where I want to go. But you see there, these, this penguin especially is a little bit taller. So I'm like, there's a compromise between the, you know, this really, it's almost like cute and grotesque if you really think about that penguin's anatomy, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, but it worked. It's, uh, but you know it's time to refine it. Um, so looking back, do to do. do uh, let's so you see like the difference between those two. Let's go into this one, and then if I do this, what's this tool called? The operation tool. Oop. <clears throat> now I so I had these lines that are close to where I want to go, but not fully. And because of course celebrating once again the vector tools in Clip Studio Paint. So you can have a layer that is like a raster layer. It's made of pixels. Everyone, you know, like if you're not familiar, pixels are just a grid of there's information on or off of a block of color in a particular position. And um, and then uh, vectors where you use this other thing. And so if this is hidden, like the Clip Studio Paint's UI is super customizable. And I've been uh, puttering to try to figure out what's working for me. And this is totally work in progress. So if stuff gets lost, you can always do workspace reset to default. I'm trying to figure out my own, you know, RS Rob Stenzinger illustration profile and stuff like that. Anyway, it's work in progress. And, uh, so that way it, it pops up more consistently and, and has the changes that, that I've, I've, uh, emphasized and adapted by moving palettes around and this and that. Anyway, side topics, clip studio paint life, um, not willing to get a Clip Studio Paint for life tattoo, but um, <laughs> feeling good about it. Not, it's not the, yeah, nothing personal. Right. Says, you know what? That'd be a high sponsorship level. <laughs> anyway, um, this. Uh, all right. So editing these lines. So that's the story of like, well, different kinds of layers, and then vectors, vectors versus. So yeah, and then vectors are essentially um, uh, line position information. Uh, a lot of people just say vectors are math instead of um, blocks of color, uh, and that's that's a fair enough description. So, um, 
this this uh, tablet interface is really sweet, but it's not a touch UI. That would be kind of the ultimate. Oh, uh, um, okay. So I'm I'm using old muscle memory where it's like I have a keyboard to my left to um, to do some of these things. Um, then of course the other thing I can do is you just use the navigator. Um, whoop whoop. Um, that's a pretty powerful thing, and it lets you do the classic. Hey, let's flip it, flip flip, and all that. Yeah. See how your stuff looks um, from the other side. So anyway, back to the vectors thing. Um, I started to just nudge and tweak, and then uh, go go right into specific um, like vector segment uh, points, and slowly make the the um, the leg essentially where I want it uh, to go. And I think. Um, I think if I use a selection tool, um, I can I can I discreetly edit that. I think there's a way. I'm 99% sure there's a way to like just select those things more efficiently, and then start to move them around. Nope, that didn't work. All right, here you go. This is me fumbling for my keys. So at the um, bottom of your tool palette, right underneath the word balloon tool, is are some more Bezier point editors. Your your the toolbar on the left side, right underneath the far word balloon, side. the far left, the all the way over where you got your magn magnifying glass. Let me switch to a camera view that um, helps with this. Okay. So if I go to this one, is this helping out with? Uh, nope, that didn't work. All right, it's fair enough. Sorry about that. Let's. Uh, we could have seen me moving around the screen a little oh, bit. Oh, gotcha. I got, a, I got a camera above this, but anyway, work <laughs> in progress. So what do we, where, so where do I go? Your far left toolbar, like your main tools, your magnifying glass hand, yeah. uh, uh, way mm -hmm. at the bottom there, above your color picker, above the black and white boxes, okay. color, like right beneath the word balloon, there's some more point tools that you can use. So that's where your, your pinch vector line tools are, and you can like just grab There like, they are. Yep. Ugh. Seriously. So you can like grab just like portions of it. This and, is the. Oh, that's so much easier. It's it's. I would just that's say it's it's thing. more intuitive. It just feels like it's an intuitive way of messing with vector lines because with the pinch vector tool, you're literally literally just like pinching the line and moving it around without diminishing the quality of the line. So yeah, with, well, with, are you? So it's so all that what it is. It's a different interface. You see, all those points are still there. So yeah. whatever the brush tool did to create that initial path, um, this is exposing a way to edit that path that is meant to feel more natural. Yeah, right? yeah. And it's just funny. It's so funny because I'm like, I know it's around here. I can't <laughs> find it. And I'll just keep working. So there is, you know, so there, the, and of course the, the way I was working was now you see those actual points. Yeah. Um, not as sort of, you know, just grab a, May, it, this doesn't feel like I'm using a brush. This feels like I am now micromanaging um, <laughs> something, right? Yes, it, yes. It doesn't, yeah, this is a different part of my brain doing yep. that work. Yeah. As opposed to, um, what is that tool called? It's called. It's pinch, just called... I think it's correct just Correct line. Oh, is it really just called that? That's funny. It used to be called pinch vector. Called correct line. If you hit Y, that would be the shortcut for that. Okay, sweet. I always like to do that and like hover and the most popular tools I, um, you know, will will get, uh, mm -hmm. get a feel for by, um, boop, boop, popping around. That's the advantage of having a keyboard on, on the side too. Mm -hmm. Um, 
trade-offs. Ideally, keyboard and touch interface. Hmm. Someday. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Anyway, so that's that. So through that process, I ended up getting you know this uh, closer. <laughs> you know, seeing the the wiggly wobbly. Um, I, I ended up getting the the character to um, essentially uh, still cute, but breaking a little bit. Out. I'm trying to give it a, a more plausible structure, and um, and not even because anyone gave me that feedback. It's because um, as as art director of this project, also I wanted to do that. It, I feel like it's uh, it sets a, a path for maybe other characters showing up and having a, a, um, a, a repeatable body drawing style and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. anyway, there you go. That was, um, and then, oh yeah, the other part of the demo, I better, I'm, I'm going a little slow here, but uh, the other part of the demo is looking at that text, right? And um, and doing text in, in a way that, um, let's see, where's my background? There we go. So I will, uh, why not? I'll use this and then whoop, the, the navigator tool. It's not too bad to zip around that way. Otherwise, I do like to hit space bar and gives, gives me the hand tool and then control, uh, control plus and control minus. But, um, okay, so free play edition. This is, you have a question? Yeah, I, well, it just the, the Skype videos have suddenly gotten very, very fuzzy. So I wonder if you need to turn your camera on and off in order to like get it to sync again we're, we're we usually capture our video through zoom and we, because we're doing art demos today everybody we're, we switch to skype because with the N ndi connection you get a much better uh, higher video quality but it's got its own trade-offs with regard to the way it, it buffers and syncs the audio that we're still working on Wow, that looks like hot garbage, Jersey. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, it's better than it I was. I suddenly went. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It is really wow. Okay. It got really bad just for a second. So, it was right, right when you switched off of your demo with Pick and Crunchy and, and went to the logo, it went fuzzy. This is like you suddenly fired up your Super NES and you're like, oh, I have Skype on my Super NES, and <laughs> this is what I would look like. <laughs> So let me let me let me mess with my properties on the on the Skype input too, just to be a. a... All right, so I could. Uh, ah, this demo doesn't require high resolution. I don't know. Yeah, it just got way worse. Oh my goodness, this it is... got worse. Yeah, <laughs> Skype is like, hey, I'll give you a, a switch to flip, and then I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> We give it a second to catch up. I just I just uh, right. turned on hardware acceleration in my OBS to see if it will help at all with this. But yeah, actually, yeah, this is a Skype doing a Skype thing, um, essentially yeah. crunching the video down and. Um, hmm. And this is something where so I so this I thought, would be yeah. also like we could pretend that I'm on I don't know the moon <laughs> and this is the best bandwidth I got. Yeah, there and, we go. To me, Clip Studio Paint on the demo. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, just soldier on, do a little bit more. Um, yep. Well, or we could switch to me for a little bit. Uh, how about how about I do a demo? 
Um, okay, yeah. sure. Sounds good. Okay, so um, what I'll do is, so we looked at like the vector inking and the uh, cool way that we can um, modify the Bezier points in the path that's plotted when you do vector inking and how you can edit that with like fairly natural feeling tools, but you can also get in there and like really micromanage the lines as Rob was saying. Um, I have been, I'm going to switch to my video now. Go for it. I can find my video, but there we go. Okay, so here's here's mine. Uh, I've been working on a comic recently. I've been doing a few live streams about it, and um, even though I'm working with a fairly simple um, approach where there, I'm not drawing a whole lot of backgrounds in it, um, I am doing some like you know these backgrounds where there's these funny computer terminals that are all at weird angles, where I'm trying to ape this floral dairy kind of. Um, design aesthetic which i've been chasing my entire life but um so put, yeah pause for a quick sec since sure. we're on our show so mm -hmm. you, when you're on the four million years later podcast you drop this this term floridary right yeah. yeah so phonetically no idea how to search it what is it is <laughs> they, it a school is it a person is it a yes. city is it a what they, is floridary so thank you thank you for asking me to clarify because it drives me bonkers when people do that on podcasts and i'm and i'm so busted right now it's floro fl O-R-O, Derry, D-E-R-Y, and he was a uh, background and concept designer on the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. Um, and he had a way of rendering Cybertron and Alien Worlds with all of these marvelously um, counterintuitive angles and swooshes to make it look like something that I'd never seen before. And I... And I it, it gripped me when I was a child and I've been after it ever since, you know? Um, so like, like this kind of computer terminal here where like you have the screen at this really, uh, odd angle facing down at you. So like you would be counterintuitive looking like, almost straight up to look at the computer screen and then the keyboard at like a right angle coming out of the wall. So it's almost like a Pac-Man mouth of a computer, like take your laptop and put it at a 45 degree angle to the wall and work that way like that's kind of stuff he would do but then like also the way he would like just render all sorts of um uh architecture in his in the, his background so it's just I, I love it so so yes so Flor floro dairy brilliant concept designer uh, first name last name yes dairy first... comma floro yeah um <laughs> thank you yeah and uh that's super duper helpful and i'll say by the way that's not a dig at your other show your other show obviously there's a community who's soaked in this information and yep. you, you know this happens once in a while where you're like oh i'm interested in a thing but you have a different history of of how you connect with it and how someone's sharing it with it. and i just had new context so thank you very much <laughs> for <laughs> No problem. Yeah, yeah no. that context. Yeah, you're right. Because I, I actually have gotten comments from uh, uh, Rob's audio got dropped out of the mix, and they couldn't. Oh, Stephen Stonebush couldn't hear your question. Now your audio's gone too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rob's audio is gone. Man, we're having all sorts of trouble today. Uh, all right, let's put wow. the guest audio on here. Let's give, give us a sound check, Rob. Hello, I am Rob Stenziger. There we go. You're back in the mix. As far as I can tell, yes, <laughs> I'm back. You thought you counted me out, Skype, but haha. <laughs> <laughs> I Flor Skype. Uh, Skype. Commenting about Floridaries was a question, I guess, that was missed. Yeah, yes, yeah. There we go. Stephen Stonebush says you're back. Thank you, Stephen, for letting us know. By the way, um, yeah. 
Okay, so uh, what I've been messing with a lot is r the ruler tools in Clip Studio Paint, particularly, and this one is not like a revelation because like this exists in other apps, but man, does it make my life better, is the, the symmetrical ruler. I don't use that much, but when I use it, I'm really happy. So like in this particular case of this, this uh, character's face, where they're looking straight on, you can just take it, and then I'm going to hold down the shift key so it makes a nice straight line, and I'm just going to drag straight down down the center of her face and just like you would expect it's a symmetry ruler so as i start drawing i'm drawing on the the left side right of her face but it's copying it over on the right side so that just speeds up penciling now when i when i finish when i ink this um i'm actually going to ink it on paper so i won't be able to use the symmetry ruler for that and i think like the natural sort of characteristics of my lines um will give it a more organic feeling and not quite such a replicated feeling. Cause that, that, that is a concern that I would have is like, does this look too, too symmetrical, right? Cause in real life, we're not perfectly symmetrical, but um, some are more than others, but you get my drift. So now I can go through and I can very quickly pencil in this without, and I'm, and I'm like literally getting double the work done. So that's one ruler that I really enjoy is the symmetry ruler. And then you got to make sure if you're if you're working on one layer. How about your, the placement of that? Sorry, Jersey. So yeah. the placement, <clears throat> where you put that made all the difference, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So if I put it over here, it's going to copy. It's going to copy like with that 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 line that ruler as a reference point of where the center is. So if I start drawing her other parts of her helmet or like part of her mouth, you can see that it's just copying it over there, rather than perfectly splitting her face. Um, and if you work on one pencil layer like I do, um, you got to remember to either turn the the ruler off or delete it entirely. You can turn the ruler off like when you when you select it with your uh, operation tool. This little you get these little handles. These the dark blue circles indicate how you can rotate the ruler, and this little white circle toggles it on and off. You can tell what's on because it's like a purple color. When it's off, it turns green, and that little white dot becomes, it's kind of hard to see on the screen, but it becomes a little like uh, crossed out symbol, like sort of like the Ghostbusters kind of idea. So either turn it off or delete it if you're going to use other rulers, because otherwise that will interact with your other rulers. Uh, and you can also, at the top of your screen, there's this option here that says uh, snap to special ruler. That's, that's um, and it's not giving me the hover over in the way of screen sharing it. Um, it's in my top bar um, in the, the, let's see, where is it? It looks like a bowl with a uh, handle sticking out of it. And when you toggle that on and off, that turns, that activates and deactivates your ruler, or rather it tells your pen to uh, obey the ruler. And then the other one, which the other ruler we've talked about is the perspective ruler. And so I'll make a number for a drawing like this. I'll use a number of perspective rulers. I won't just use one. So I usually rough in the computer or the background element and I determine my first vanishing point. You do that. Let me do that again so everybody can see. You just like basically click on the screen and drag and it can determine what the first vanishing point uh, line is, the line going to the vanishing point, what, what direction it's going to take. And you click and drag for the second one. And as you can see, it's if I move it the second line higher with relation to the first line, it moves the vanishing point to my right. If I move it higher on the left to the line above, it moves the vanishing point to the left. 
And you can move these after you've drawn them. You just like I just usually throw them down, like not terribly precisely, and then you can use your operation tool uh, to move them about by grabbing that white point in the center of the line, and then you use the blue anchors to adjust the vanishing points. And then you can, uh, with the perspective ruler, you can put in some more vanishing points. Make it like a two-point perspective, which I'll do now. Match it to the, the top of the computer and to the other parts of the computer, right? Which I haven't actually, now that I look at that, that's not right. I need to put in one more vanishing point for this part of the cube of the computer. And I'm gonna match them to these lines, roughly, and I can always adjust them afterwards. And then now I can just, it's just gonna automatically, you know, snap those lines to that perspective grid. I turn the perspective ruler off by toggling that option at the top, the snap to special ruler, which is a little bowl with the, the, the handle sticking out of it, up at the top of your uh, menus, the very top of your screen. I'll toggle that off so then I can do the rounded parts real quick. And you can see how this speeds up, you know, drawing objects in perspective. And I'll just quickly zap out those lines, turn the ruler off, do those curves, turn the ruler back on, and continue zapping out the lines. So between this and the vector uh, erase tool, if you, if you are penciling on a vector layer, man, oh, man, do you have some fast drawing going on. Um, You can see I don't have to be like really careful about where I move my pencil. It's just the lines just sort of like come out as long as you're like generally in the right place. And boom, like we're already making like a lot of progress, right? Yeah, so, that's that's amazing. You're not having to slide a ruler around a physical page pointing at lines that you or pointing at dots that are the vanishing points. It's interesting. You're not actually manipulating the point the vanishing point you're manipulating indirectly by changing the um the angle of the line the ruler right that that's a great so, way to describe it yeah yeah that's that breaks my mind a little bit too but uh because so, the vanishing points are probably yeah way far away they're way well, off there they are yep is that actually the vanishing point yeah because you zoom super far i zoomed way out wow. and then i selected the ruler and now you can see where these uh, lines that I'm hovering over right here, like that are like sort of uh, just off of the top right of the page. That's your horizon line. The way I've described these these uh, mm. these vanishing points, which is like counterintuitive, right? So like that's another thing. Is like it would have been a lot of trial and error on my art uh, art table to get this figured out to do that computer. Um, this just it takes only a few minutes to do it. Um, when you're doing it in Clip Studio Paint. So, and you can, if I hover over the ruler, and, or rather the horizon line, oh, actually, this right there is my, this ruler is the uh, symmetry ruler I used earlier. So I'm gonna go back to my horizon line. You can actually click, uh, right click on this, and it's not showing the drop down. Rats, I wish I should be doing a screen grab instead of just like sharing my, um, Clip Studio is a all, all these little variables, right? Yep. So you saw the tooltips on my screen because I was capturing an, an entire monitor. Yep. Right. And I, I'm not. I was actually just capturing the app. So there's the difference. Mm. So if you if you right click on it, you get an option to like horizontalize the eye level, and it will actually adjust the horizon line. So now that it's it's horizontal, uh, and then you can also readjust your vanishing points by grabbing the points or by manipulating the actual 
the the lines that go to the points. So you have a couple different ways to go about it. Um, whatever way works for you, whichever feels the most intuitive. And you can also lock the horizon line um, by right-clicking on it and then move the points. Like So once you get the horizon line, that's exactly where it used to be. And like you can see, like once I start messing with the actual vanishing point uh, handle, the line that goes to the vanishing point, you can see it's starting to move the horizon line all over the place. But I can go back to it and click on... Uh, there's right-click and then there's drop-down, and you can say fix eye level. That's one of the options. And now when I try to move my vanishing point, it's going to keep it locked into that horizon line. You can see it moving horizontally across the screen. So, wow. So that's a tool that just like, you know, made my life a lot easier. It's one of those things like the, the ruler tools in Clip Studio. I mean, there's there's one more that I can do real quick. Then maybe we could take a break and go back to a couple more demos. If, how does that sound to you, Rob? Yeah, I'm all for it. Um, the last one is like this is if you really want to get persnickety. Like if you're like really uptight about like how the lines look on your page. Um, like let's say you get like in the roughs, like this guy's head is just like magnificent and I don't want to lose that line, but I want it to be one smooth contour. There's a curve ruler and it works just like making a Bezier curve. You just click, click and drag, click and drag, click and drag, click and drag. So if you've done any illustration in vector design programs and then double click to finish, you'll be familiar with this. Oops, come on. I have my operation tool set to click on rulers and on frames. So now you can just adjust all those curves. I don't do this as much anymore because the, the, as we can see, this is already slowing me down. Instead of just drawing the line, I'm spending all this time like preparing myself for success. But suppose you're making something like an important asset for a game that's gonna use, get used a lot. Well, maybe it's worth doing that little bit of investment. So now if I touch my pencil to that line, it locks me to that line. I can't draw, you know, I can, I can draw like the other, it'll adhere to the other rulers, but as soon as I get anywhere near that line, it's not going to let me deviate from it. So you can make custom curve, like basically like French curves in Clip Studio Paint that are customized mm -hmm. to your drawings. And then when you're done with all your rulers, you can go to your layer palette and you can right click on the ruler icon in the layer and then a drop down appears and say delete ruler and then all the rulers go away and now you can just go back to just drawing freehand with abandon so so if you if you don't just delete the rulers all at once you can toggle them off individually yeah right? you can keep them if you want yeah okay but i mean once you get like a little adept at using them um it, it just it becomes like really you know, it, it doesn't take much prep to, to remake them, in my opinion. Like, I'll often delete them off of my roughs and then just, like, reapply them to my pencil layer. So, like, we're looking at my roughs right now, which I'm going to go in and... And actually, I'm almost done penciling this one. I can turn on my pencil layer. There's, like, the finished pencils. So, mm, anyway. Super cool. Um, so, what do you say? You think about... You think it might be okay to take a break real quick and then come back and do a couple more demos? Yeah, let's do, yeah, let's do that. I um, let's see if my let's see if I can do a demo. <laughs> if Skype's like, okay, you could try again. I would love to uh, do that a lettering demo really quick to finish mm -hmm. that um that that other yeah. Uh, it was like the second star part of my other demo. That sounds great. Okay, so um, we'll see if Skype buffers enough while we do. It's looking it's looking clear enough. Actually, it's looking about as good as Zoom. When I look at your Skype window, so it'll at least be that good. Um, but 
We'll come back in about a minute and a half, and we'll do a couple more things, tools that we're excited about in Clip Studio Paint. But before we do that, we've got to thank some people who make this show possible. And that's the people who support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lean Art is the website. What is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in me and Rob and what we do here at LeanIntoArt.com, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. And I want to thank five people who have been doing that, supporting us on an ongoing basis. Uh, Jodels Pox. Thank you, Jodels, for believing us in what we do. You can find Jodels on Twitter at JBombArtist. And Nate Marcel. Thank you, Nate, uh, for believing in us and what we do. You can find Nate on Twitter at GreatSeaMonster. And Sophie Lawson. Thank you, Sophie. You can find Sophie on Twitter at Sophie Lawson Art. And Spencer Hallam. Thank you, Spencer, for supporting the show on an ongoing basis. And finally, Robert Clemens Jr., who you can find on Twitter at Rob Clemens Jr. These will all be linked in the show notes, by the way, so you can find these people because they, if they enjoy the show, you know, that's why we shout them out, so that you can find each other as fellow leaners. You can join them all at patreon.com slash leanintoart. We will find all the shows we make as well as the extra leans, the shows we record only for people who support us on Patreon. Those posts become an open mic thread where you can talk about whatever you want in a safe space with fellow leaners and it gets you access to the Patreon-only channels of the Lean Into Art Discord. And once again, the invite for that is in the show notes for this episode and every episode. Patreon.com slash Lean Into Art. Thank you to everybody who supports us there. It means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. It really does. Thank you so much. Ah. All right. Hey, look at that. Hey. Maybe another demo. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hurry and get some music in here quick so we can do this. Wait, quick. Oh, drink a little Woo. I'm doing some hand dancing. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's see this, this lettering <laughs> demo while we can. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, not to build it up that much. Uh, I mean, that ruler demo, Jersey, you... You gotta turn that into a workshop. Yeah, like yeah. that alone is. There's some deep magic, and uh, I think it will help lots of artists. All right, um, I mean, even that section is illuminating. But yeah, uh, anyway, uh, doing a random, unrequested vote for that would be a workshop. All right, um, okay. So I do. I did a quick doodle. Like, like let's say I want to write the word free. Right. So I'm. This is about lettering, and trying to have some lettering that has a little, that has some, some nuance, nuance and idiosyncratic, uh, quirkiness, but yet, um, some consistency within itself. Because like when you see a font, um, you you know, there's the letters are, I mean, typically very consistent as far as like where you know where th where the top is, where the bottom is, where the middle parts are, and if if there's a mixed case. It, you know what I mean? Like this, this, uh, top of the, the R is going to be near the middle part of the F and all that, right? Like there's a lot of relative spacing that if you're just doing this, if you're writing by hand, eh, you know, you may be, be able to pull it off, maybe not. Um, and this is where, um, this is an approach I used to start, um, to, to build up the lettering design, not saying like what I, what you saw in the beginning like, so here's, um, let's see. Yeah, we are way zoomed in. So here's where the lettering sort of started, right? And in that, you know, a little bit of wobbly, well, I'm an indie game developer, you know, look at me uh, style. Um, but then, uh, uh, you know, I'm looking to refine that a bit. So, okay, anyway, so let's say I'm working, I have this kind of plan in mind and I'm working on now this, this drawing. So let's, let's go over that. 
in, um, I gotta select the appropriate layer and let's make a vector layer. So now, boom, magically the brush I have has been turned into a vector brush. Um, and so this is a little bit like, um, I imagine one could use Jersey's demo and this and combine them. Um, because in a way I'm creating some perspective constraints mm -hmm. uh, by doing this style, but it's sort of um, like, it's a false or free perspective, right? That, um, so what I'm doing here is, so I boxed in my, that entire, um, you know, the, the, the word is going to appear within this space and you are seeing my, yeah, my desk cam now too. Cool. Mm. All right. Um, that's another reason to sponsor the show because, you know, we are adventurers fixing stuff on the fly. Um, <laughs> and let's see. So let's say, uh, so I'm, I'm trying to like get the shapes here. It, it looks like this wild spider webby too many things going on kind of line, right? So, but let's, let's now, um, if I just tap on the other side of my, uh, my pen, I'm able to swap to a different tool, which is actually the eraser, which is the vector eraser. And I have it set to do the erase up to intersection, right? Mm -hmm. So pretty sweet, um, where all of a sudden I'm trimming away these things and I'll just start, I'll just continue the trimming to get rid of the stuff that I don't want uh, as part of that letter. And all of a sudden, like, I have something that fits that design I just described. It's idiosyncratic. Um, and, like, it's in my imprint, right? There's no other font that looks like this. And this is true of you, too. If you, you do this um, kind of thing, it's going to turn out like your style. Just right there. So there you go. There's two letters of free of the work in progress so far. Mm -hmm. And I, um, once in a while, if I do that little tapa tapa on the, on my stylus, it will then swap the tool. <laughs> then I'm stuck in the eraser and I go, uh Oh, undo. <laughs> but, um, so, oops. Yep. Look at that stuck in the eraser. Isn't that fun? So now I, I will go, no, no, thanks. I'm back to the pen. And I, I, I did this quirky leaning with the ease. If I'm going to do that leaning, then I would want to have it match this roughly the R yeah, direction, the, right? From right. Where, yeah. the, the angle of the, of the top part of the R. Yeah. And then I'll just kind of make the ease sort of eat up that space where there's this flow of, but it's, it's a flow of, of, of intentional shape relationships, right? Between, you know, how the, this E changes based on the R and then this E is next to that one. And let's just see how it turns out. I'll wrap this demo up really quick. Whoop. And then, whoop. And let's see. And we'll make the middle of the E's consistent and then we'll get the bases consistent, uh, get rid of the stuff we don't want and keep on. So it doesn't matter like, oh, I went over the R and, you know, that's, that's fine. Um, cause vector eraser and then what's once in a while, I actually will just switch to the eraser so I don't have to keep pushing on the, the, the pen. Um, oops, look at that. That line didn't intersect fully. Ah, 
Well, you mm. grab your pinch pinch vector and drag that line over the the over the line. That would be a good idea. Um, I did a cheat where I just added a little more to the line. That works and, too. Uh, it may add some slop. So in the, in coming up uh, as follow up to really to do a cleanup step to to this, um, I could, you know, find those those extra. Um, unnecessary vectors and um and clean it up even further so that's a first swing at it there's a little bit of wonkiness to it but it has uh, a an inherent an internal consistency and style mm -hmm. and that's a way to letter with the vector brush tool and uh and like you could do this for well visualizing sound and stuff like that um totally but it, of course yeah gives you a certain thing so there you go that's my second demo well, that's All contributing toward the the new logo for Guitar Fretter. <laughs> now, and that and that is an important thing is that like I think Clip Studio one of the the byproducts of using Clip Studio Paint um, because it, its text tools were not awesome when it like I want to say even like three years ago they're getting better um, and their their dialogue uh, lettering tools are terrific and extremely intuitive um, still not. Um, I would say compatible with the way a lot of offset printing happens. Like they, when, when you do oh, like, awesome. you, well, in, in, if you, this happened with rockets, um, is they want the lettering on a, all of the, the text on its own 1200 DPI vector layer. So they want you to do the lettering in either Adobe illustrator or InDesign, something like that. So when I turned in the rockets pages, like we did the balloons, um, Actually, I think I did the balloons in Illustrator. That that was like the last time I used Illustrator. But like, so you could do all the balloons in uh, CSP and have that as an actual layer that you ex that you give to the printer, like give them like a Photoshop file of like here's all the art, here's the word balloons, and then here is an InDesign file or an Illustrator file of just the the dialogue text. Um, and it's because they want it to be only on the black plate and they want it to be 1200 DPI so they can get as crisp of lettering as possible. So when you do hmm. Clip, Clip Studio Paint, you can export it as a PDF, but then the lettering is going to be merged with the balloons and it's going to be, you know, it's going to have CMYK, or if you convert it to CMYK, it's going to have CMYK colors in the black, which is a problem um, when they print. Because if anything goes a little bit off registration, the lettering is going to look kind of fuzzy. So... Hmm. So, like, this it's, sounds like a printing procedure process that I wonder if it's nuanced based on companies that you worked with, or is this based on because who their production line or how they get go to print, um, and I, that what you're describing totally makes sense. But I know, I mean, Clip Studio Paint is used to, in in the manga industry, and in, you know, stuff goes to print a well, lot yeah. there. So yeah, and actually, uh, this this. Boulder and Fleet uh, Mining for Trouble, which you can also, which you can get at books.jdros.com, everybody. Um, the lettering was all done in CSP, and it printed just fine, right? Um, which, you know, uh, hanging a lampshade on that, and it's it's like, well, different companies, different procedures. So your um, the apps you use for your art asset pipeline, creating, you know, something toward final work, totally need to be informed based on where they need to go next. And whoever you're working with, and and their limitations and styles and process, right? So, um, right. So that's an interesting gotcha, though, because what would you? I mean, 
what if you did all your word balloons and then I don't I don't know of an easy way because Clip Studio Paint another so if we're throwing out wishes for Clip Studio Paint another wish I would have is is um, let's build in more automation and put an API in there mm. and let yeah. me like if I did that then then let me extract it and let me know the the positioning and all this kind of stuff because I mean that's what I I, I do exactly that for um, uh, laying out screens in uh, the in well Guitar Fretter for instance, uh, um, where I interrogate the layers. We talked about that a, a few episodes back. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I use a Python script to get the, well, now I use a Python script. Back in the day when I used Adobe's tools, they have scripting built in, right? Mm-hmm. So I used it, well, I think, I, I don't know if they call it Java, JavaScript, but it's pretty much JavaScript, ECMAScript, whatever. They may call it Adobe script. But it let me interrogate the layers and get the size of the assets, export them, and their position and all this stuff. Anyway, so if you can, um, it's not like it's the perfect um, workaround, but it creates the path for working around that, right? If there's programmability built into that, um, into your art tools. Yeah. So that would super awesome. That, that would, would be... help you if you're if you're like, oh no, I I lettered it this way. And well, well and, there's a code. Data. And the second part of that is they would need CMYK support as well. So you could actually make your lettering only on the black channel. Right. Right. Hmm. Whereas right now it's RGB. So that black is going to be a mix of RGB. So there's two things it needs. And like and, and most people in comics have been begging Clip Studio like it, it, they have been most vociferous. <laughs> that Please give us CMYK support in the future. Um, so I imagine they're working on that, but also an API being able to script something that that would be pretty great. And and uh, Rachel Ross is in the chat saying uh, that would help. I guess that would help with translation too. Um, Good point. I wonder if if that's part of that um, some company's process. So they're at like one or many steps closer to making international versions of mm-hmm. uh, of a work. Yep. Probably. I, that that wouldn't surprise me in the least. Okay, you ready to do some more demos? Um, yeah, sounds good. Um, okay. So let's see. We did lettering. Uh, well, while while your video is looking great, let's let's just keep let's take advantage of it. And like, what else did you want to? What else? What else have you been working on? Because one of the things that I saw when we were looking at your CSP setup was the animation bar was open. I got rid of that right away when I started <laughs> using mine. Uh, but now that I think about it, I had it, it gone, but yeah. now I added it back because I have a need for it. Okay. What is that need? Let's find out. All right. Well, let's go there. Um, let's see what happens. Okay. <laughs> you roll the dice, everybody. Okay. You pay the price. <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know which link in the chain to be jokey about and, uh, and sassy. You know what I mean? It's like... Who knows where, <laughs> where the things are falling down. But, um, okay, so let's say, all right, this is the old demo. Um, uh, nope, not that demo. Uh, how about this one? Animation. Okay. Uh, so I'm experimenting with... Um, so currently the characters in Guitar Fretter are still images, and then I procedurally animate them in the code. I have two things that add a lot of life to them, in my opinion where there, there's, a, there's a breathe and a wobble, right? But that doesn't replace frame-based animation, of course. Um, animators probably 
so I, I would bet somewhere out there there is frustrated guitarists who are also animators that are like, this is this is a you know cheap. You got to fix that. And my answer is I'm working on it. But honestly, those folks are no. There's they they haven't they haven't voiced their concerns compared to the folks who want lefty flip. <sighs> lefty flip. All right. So <laughs> lefty flip is how Jimi Hendrix played a guitar. Okay. Um, all right. That's when, so it's like, it's designed for right-handed, you know, strumming, left-handed um, uh, fret positioning. And, but Jimmy was like, whoop, flipped it over. All right. So um, here we go. Here's a character that, um, uh, where I could probably, because of the magic of multiple, multiple desk cameras, I animated this character in um, a, oh, where, where did he go? Uh, undo, save me. All right. So, oh, I'm too too many frames ahead. So I'm just I'm jumping around too too much in my uh, in my layout. So I made this little animation rough as heck, right? Um, and this isn't even the one I'm going to use in the game, but I wanted to to experiment with uh, low stakes, right? Um, I need to see if this tool could could do its job. I want to have maybe two to four frames of animation to give so much more life to the creatures coming down the screen that you're doing the matching in Guitar Fretter, right? And um, I've found, for me and my skill level in animation, no better tool to, um, to prototype animations uh, mm -hmm. than something on iOS called uh, Rough Animator. So Rough Animator, uh, let's say, uh, boop, 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 why not? Here's... Well, like I've shared a couple, one or two of these on uh, on um, Instagram. I'll share I'll share this one. So like, check. Uh, what can I? Touch? I could go to that camera full screen, but basically you've got this really simple, you know, touch based interface that lets you say like for this drawing, um, have it be one frame. This drawing have it be another, you know, ten frames or twelve frames, and so. You, you, that adds up to you can do a pretty quick illustrated flow of ideas um, because you don't have to do a ton of drawings. And it's really like this. This looks in a way like a like um, a pretty, I don't know, um, no frills app. But if, if you practice with it, it's um, you can really quickly animate ideas. And so I've got I've got a few dozen little animations I've done in with that tool. And one of them is this little character. So you, if you export out of that, you can, you can export as a series of images. You could you know, turn it into a little movie file. I imported a movie file in Clip Studio Paint. So all you had, you just do file import um, uh, movie, right? And that's all that happened in this project so far. And um, then what did I, then I turned, I, I went, in scrubbing, the movie gets imported into this timeline view, right? And then this, this, this extra palette within Clip Studio Paint. Like, without it, you're not thinking about time. You're just dealing with a still image, right? Um, but uh, so far, so good. Um, I am not... I'm, I'm at, what is the stage where... I, you know, I, I, just, I joked about finding my keys with the other stuff. Yeah. In this, I'm like... I don't know if I have, I don't even know what keys are, honestly, at this point. 
But <laughs> as far as with Clip Studio Paint, I've I've you know dabbled with animation and stuff, but like, um, so I have this loose mental model in my head and vocabulary of things I want to accomplish, but um, you know I'm I'm still figuring it out. So I what I've succeeded with so far is export from my other app, import into Clip Studio Paint, and then um, and then you can essentially right click on um, frames in the video. And then you can turn it into, um, well, it could be the the last, first frame or the last flame, frame, or you could do new animation cell. And a separate cell is just a separate illustration, right? So what you saw is another layer popped up over here. Uh, and I actually, I don't want that. Uh, oops, wow. Undo, save me. Uh, undo and undo. Okay. Uh so, okay, there we go. So now I could, so think about this art flow is in, in the end, I want this to be in what's called a sprite sheet, which would be like a whole series of these little characters together in one big image, right? And then I'll load that sprite sheet into my video game and then configure it so it displays one of them at a time in sequence and that's the animation, right? Mm -hmm. so, but so for right now, um, I was able to, solve some big problems by saying here's the rough idea of what i want to do and now i can just use my drawing tools and you know make stuff happen um and of course um let's see i have not well not the right tool <laughs> <laughs> once again undo save me so um so here we go you're just you know using a pencil as a reference and um I, I'm figuring, I'd be figuring out like, what do I, you know, what do I want to really convey here? And if you think about an animation sequence, there's the, there's a ton of different ideas. There's a, I recommend looking up uh, the 12 principles of animation. It'll give you a good, um, a good background. One of the books that I had growing up that inspired me for drawing was Preston Blair's um, widely known book, um, anime, uh, I forget what it's called, cartooning and animation. And, um, so I kind of grew up thinking about animation and cartooning at the same time. Um, which I don't know if that helped or hurt anything, but it's... I'm, I'm looking up the books as, as that you're talking about animation by Preston Blair, learn how to draw animated cartoons. Is that it? I think so. It's, it's been, um, republished multiple times. Um, I can pull my copy off the shelf, um, easily too here. Um, but, oh, cool. Yeah. I thank you for pulling up the book. Um, so the idea would be then, well, now in, in this, in this frame or this cell, um, interesting. Yeah. So this cell, so what, I, then you can, obviously you can adjust how the, like what, what I like a lot is if you're prototyping something, it's nice to not have to draw it a bunch of times. And it seems like um, because of how I, when I went into this video, that it contains the position sketch of you know that penciled animation, but it also contains that the position in time as far as when the cell changes, mm. for that which is something I was able to prototype in the other app, right? 
So that means uh, when I when I scrolled through my my vi- my imported video and I set that as a new animation cell that popped in my layer palette, well, that also gave me timing again. So it's like the timing I set up in that other app is still here, you know, which is interesting for the prototyping process. Not interesting as far as turning into into a sprite sheet because what I'm going to need to do then is export this as separate um, uh, PNG files. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and then this. Um, so uh, I, mean, I don't have onion skating here. This is what I. This is one thing that's throwing me off. Is I need to see that. I need to see my frames, and let's see. That's got to be a button. It has to be here. Enable onion skin. Oh, ha. <laughs> nope. That didn't happen. Where are I you on the timeline? That, oh. That made something weird happen. So let's see what undo can do. Ah, there you go. Oh, onion skin. There we go. Because <laughs> otherwise, you just teleported and you don't know where you're at. Right, 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 right. right. Um, so, so, so yeah. your layer palette is covered up by your video of that of your hand. So I just want to verify it or clarify is. for myself. All right, no, you don't. That. You don't need to turn that off because it's actually it is useful to see where your hands are as you're drawing this stuff. Um, but. I just want to make sure I understand. Like when you're making new cells in the animation palette, yep. it's also making new layers in the layer palette. Correct? That's correct. Okay. Yep. It looks like it has a special folder called animation folder. Okay. So that's like an uh, um, a quirky reuse of the layer palette. Okay. But interesting. It. It, that's actually, I mean, going back a pace, that, that was how um, Adobe Image Ready used to work. I don't know if you remember ever doing like animated, um, you know, like buttons and things for websites in Image Ready. It would, it would use. I never did that in Image Ready. Well, it, this is very similar. So it's, it's, it's hearkening oh. that for me. So anybody out there who used Image Ready like 15, 16 years ago, uh, now you, you have the shorthand to get involved in. Uh, animating in clip studio paint um so i noticed that i think that i would like the character's eyes to move a little bit more because if their body is going um from this uh prepare starting to uh flex to be able to bring the wings up right Mm -hmm. um and it's nice to have some opposites so the wings are going up and the arms are going down and I haven't decided what to do with the legs, so I, let's have them continue to proceed backward um, with the effort. And the mouth, I would think, would go up, not down. All right. So then now I have just two frames. Even that would be more interesting in the video game, like flap, flap, like like with this character you'd see for a few seconds. Um, and then among a few other versions of this um, kind of creature mm-hmm. coming out screen. So there you go. Two frame animation. <laughs> hey, you're at, you're at uh, Nintendo eight bit now. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know what? Um, I'm all, I'm at PlayStation one pal. <laughs> Cause I'm including the quality of the streaming too. So, Oh, that's true factoring that in but no the art yeah so 
two-dimensional art is so timeless because you talk about those different systems. Um, you know, there's there's games like you know think about something like um, oh, what would be um, for some reason I played I played a lot of Nightmare Creatures on the PlayStation, mm. and um, but like though as much as I had fun with that game, those characters aren't they don't stand out to me because it was this early days blocky rough low palette low polygon you know kind of shapes and whatnot um anyway whereas um an animation even when it becomes pixelated that's that's you know two-dimensional it still has i think more timeless life in it but Mm -hmm. i think so yeah all right that's that's my demo (laughs) speaking of, of games so yeah, it's it's looking like CSP is a pretty robust tool for doing game work too, not just comics. Yes, I would say yeah, and there's there's extra steps to turn that so to turn that asset into um, something that I can use in the game. But most other tools in the pipeline would also have these extra steps because it's essentially now turning a um, a a group of PNGs into a um, uh, a sprite sheet that I could then easily refer to in in the game, mm. and uh, not that big of a deal. But like an it's like a little bit of an administrative step, and the job that like Clip Studio Paint shows up and does its job incredibly well because of um, uh, repeatable quality of uh, results of creating the assets. And and um and refining them, like I maybe I would end up feeling it was good for rough draft animation, but I'm not fluent enough yet in there. Um, so it might it might earn that job as well. Hmm. Uh, well, that's awesome. I mean, it, yes, I I feel like we're doing a good job of celebrating this tool. Uh, okay. So I want to make sure we have time to also talk about our two minute practice. Uh, is it cool if I do a quick. Not a demo, but more like showing off a feature of CSP that I've gotten a lot of uh, use out of. Yeah, please. That would be awesome to okay. balance out the universe of demos. Okay. Uh, all right. So let me go back to my Clip Studio. Here we go. Okay. So a tool that they rolled out in a couple updates ago is the Quick Access tool, which is that weird little circle with an arrow pointing through it in the upper left-hand corner of your tool palette in most, st- like like in a basic installation of the application. As Rob was talking about earlier, it's really easy to like um, customize um, the the layout of Clip Studio Paint to like match what you need it to be, and you can save those those layouts with um, what do they call that? Is that under Window? Yeah, workspaces. Yeah, window and workspaces. Um, but mm-hmm. um, in most, if you do like a just like a a, a basic installation of, of Clip Studio Paint, whoops. Um, you have this button called the quick access and, uh, is that a visible on yours, Rob? I can't remember if I saw that on your screen. It usually the quick access. Yeah. Uh, where's the button? It, it usually I hovers think... above your sub tool menu. So you'd like on the left hand side of your screen, you have your main, your main toolbar. That's where all your tools, like your lasso tool, your pens and brushes and so on. And then just to the right of that is your sub tool menu. And that's where often like all of your brushes are kept and mm-hmm. uh, like the settings for like brush size and different like, you know, like depending on the tool you choose. But at the right above those in that little toggle switch to open and close your sub tool is this option called quick access. Now, what quick access is, it's sort of like a macro for 
auto not I wouldn't say auto actions, but it's like uh, tools that you refer to a lot and tools that might some sometimes be very nested in your application. So the one like for instance, like for instance, uh, you got the these panels measured out on the page. How does that work? How do you make panels like that? So very quickly, you have an actual frame tool. And let me hide my frame tool real my frames real quick. And let's say I draw I start by drawing a square or a rectangle and that purple area is uh, area that's masked out. So if I make a layer in there and you see how it turns light purple, if I start drawing in this layer, I can draw right up to the edge and it's going to mask out whatever crosses that line. So this is like your margins, your panel borders, but it's one big one. And you can, if you go to, in your frame tools, there is a panel divide, divide frame border. And you can sort of just like click and drag and it snaps at like when it's perfectly horizontal, it snaps at certain angles. You can change how, like to what degree it snaps to different angles. But you're basically, you just like chop up the page using that tool into multiple panels, right? But supposing you have a situation where you want to, um, I've got this rather, I've got this bottom panel measured out now, but this top one I want to measure out into four equal panel, panels. I want to divide that, that top box into four sub panels, right? Well, to do that, it's actually, it, it's, Clip Studio makes that really easy. If you just go into layer, oh, which you can't see because my menus aren't being shown, but if you go to your, your, um, your menu and you go to layer and then underneath that is ruler frame and then there's a third option to choose that is divide frame border equally um it'll let you divide this box you got to select the box first select the top box with my operation tool and i'll go to again layer uh ruler frame divide frame border equally and it comes up with an option that you can't see because I'm capturing the app instead of doing a screen share, but you can divide it by two panels equally horizontally and vertically, and then boom, you've got perfectly measured equal panels. But like it, you have to go to a lot of submenus to, to find that. It's, it's like kind of a path to get there. So the quick access tool lets you just, I could save that as an option just to like divide frame border equally. I've got that highlighted at the bottom of my quick access. So now I just click on that and then it gives me the option and then boom, well, it divided everything because I had everything selected. You got to be careful what you have selected. So I have to select the top, oh. one, divide frame border equally, hit OK, and boom, now I just did it without me having to like go digging my menus. So anytime I encounter something in Clip Studio Paint where I notice that I'm doing it more than two or three times and I have to go into a lot of sub menus to get to it, I you can add it to your quick access and you can add it just by uh, right clicking on it and you can go to your quick access settings where you can add um, more things. So like for instance, when I finish pen or, uh, penciling this page, right now it's a certain color blue that is like sort of, um, what, what would you call it? It's sort of the out of the box blue that comes with Clip Studio Paint when you change a layer into non-photo blue, like I can toggle it back to black. And that's I'm actually drawing in black ink, but you can in the, uh, Layer palette, you can change the layer color to non-photo, well, a blue. It's not non-photo blue. 
Uh, in order for it to be non-photo blue to make it easier to remove, I often change that blue to 30% cyan, and I've got that saved as an option of quick access. Just like change my color to 30% cyan, and then I go up into my layer property menu, so where the layer color is being defined, I hit the paint bucket, and now it's turned all of that layer into 30% cyan, right? Mm. So rather than go into my color picker and or my color palettes and find 30% cyan in one of my many, you know, saved sets of colors, um, I just save that as an option in quick access. Same thing with uh, something else I notice I do a lot is, you know, rotating the canvas. Uh, like when I do a scan of something and it'll be sideways, well, now you just like... You know, come on. Oh, this is a big file, so it's gonna take a second. Clip Studio is like, I'm sorry, I'm doing my best. Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> uh, change canvas size. You know, and then even like, you know, make sure like I got my brush pen. You can save different pens that you use a lot in this quick access, and you can create different sets. So there's different like tabs up here, so you can put different things in different quick access buckets, depending on the type of work that you're doing. So you could have an animation quick access, you could have a digital painting quick access, and so on. So I found this to be super useful, and you could toggle it in and out as you need it, because it's right there above your sub-tools. So it's sort of, um, again, I would say, I would describe it as it's a more instant and rapid sort of version of like, it's not auto actioning. Auto actioning is like when you make uh, like a batch series of actions and it's like, okay, like first turn this into grayscale, then resize this, this many percent and then export as a PNG. Like you're telling it to do successive things. This is where this is just like a tool or a menu that I, it takes digging to get to. You can save it in quick access. Uh, it sounds like it's a way to uh, unearth like, Put things buried in the menus. You yep. could just sort of take a little piece of gold and put it in a shortcut. Yep. And that sounds incredibly useful. And I, I did do some hunting for, for it in my workspace mm -hmm. for Clip Studio Paint. And it was actually on the right side of the screen mm. next to um, the palettes and stuff over okay. there. So it's that, I don't know what the heck it is if it's, if it look, if it, it looks almost like um, an arm over a record or, yeah. Or, uh, you know, I like, think it's, hey, remember a... the Voyager had a laser disc on it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it's supposed to look like a Q, but with an arrow it, it defining like the, the diagonal line on the Q indicating this okay. is your cursor, I think. Gotcha. But yeah, I, I think but you should. Yeah, that should... symbol, like what did I took some hunting to find, right? And um, sometimes, um, like, I can't find a palette. It'll be on my screen and I can't find it because it's, a, you know, there's a lot of options and stuff. I'll have to go to the window um, and and start to toggle things and and hunt for it there um, yeah. because I would bet it's in the menu. Yep. Yeah, probably. So, but that's another one that, that, that could possibly be like a, a quick, like, like 10 minute workshop on the, for saving for future uses, like different mm -hmm. ways to speed up. Because, like, you can also, um, I'll go back to my Clip Studio Paint. Um, that bar at the top, you can customize that, too. Like, all the things that I'm highlighting right now as I hover over them. You can customize what all these are so that you can put the tools that you most need there, right? So, like, I've got mine customized so that I've got my the pen I use the most there, the watercolor brush I use the most there, and the eraser I use the most and even like the selection of magic wand tools. But like, so I don't have to go hunting over to the left side of the screen to get the, the pen I want. 
I, and as a matter of fact, one of the nice things about Clip Studio Paint is you can also just like hit the tab key and all the interface goes away except for that top bar. So now I've got like my most requested tools there at the top. And as long as I'm working on the right layer, which I have to go to in my layer palette, then hit tab. Now I've got even more screen real estate to do the work that I want to do. So mm. there's, a lot, there's a lot of little things like that nice. in, in CSP that I've slowly, slowly been discovering. Um, yeah, it's a deep toolkit. It's, um, it's, it ha it's, I don't know, they're trying to please a lot of audiences with it. And I think they're pulling it off pretty well. So it's especially, and I, I think I say that from the bias of someone who wants to draw more than manipulate other types of things. Right. Um, yep. So, yeah, it, it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do photo manipulation with, uh, like if you have a lot of experience with Photoshop, I mean, I used Photoshop for like 20 years and so the intuitions I have about where things should be in terms of like, well, how do you manipulate the levels? Well, Clip Studio has it, but it's like, it's not where you think it is. So that's another thing that I put in quick access, like manipulating levels, uh, other kinds of like image resizing, things like that, that I would normally. So anyway, uh, I think we did some demos. I think we, uh, we did, we did some demos, some extra tips in there. A lot of love, no sponsorship, all that. We did it all. <laughs> All right. Well, then how about we take a break and then like minute and a half, thank some more people who make the show possible. And then we'll come back and we'll uh, look at what we've been practicing with our two minute practice this last two weeks. Sound good? Yeah. Sounds excellent. Okay. So in about minute to two minutes, we'll come back and talk about, you know, this thing we call the, the lean into our two minute practice. But before we do that, we got to thank some more people who make this show possible. Those people are us, we make the show possible. We work hard on lots of different kinds of things and bring all that hard thinking into this project called Lean Into Art. And the thing that I make that I hope you will check out is actually something, it's another podcast that I co-host with my buddy Hoover and it's called the 4 Million Years Later Podcast. And it is a, uh, a Transformers Generation 1 watch along where we watch an episode every week and then convene to talk about what we saw from the perspective of people who grew up with the show and never fell out of love with it. But then we compare our experience with the episodes from that childhood perspective and that adult perspective and do some really thoughtful story analysis. And the episode that we just dropped today is episode number 49 called Sea Change. And it's actually a love story. That one that when I was 11, I was like, oh, no, love, no love in my Transformers, please. This is a war story. Uh, but now as an adult, I think it is not only a charming story, but they bring in this really cool metaphor called the well of transformation where the transformers meet the species of, uh, humanoid, like organic creatures who can turn into whatever they want because the well of transformation strips away the body. It dissolves the body until only the essence is left. So they can take whatever form they want because the essence is what matters, not what you look like. And it's such a, a concrete and easy way to understand this whole don't judge a book by its cover, even to the point where I feel like it's incredibly forward thinking of like, you know, like they, the two characters even say to each other, it's like, I never thought somebody who looked like you could love somebody who looks like me, you know? And then, and then they, they, they go into the well of transformation. They take on whatever kind of forms they want, you know? Um, it's... I fell in love with this episode and it's so funny. This happens again and again, like episodes that I love or I hate as a child. I love as an adult and episodes that I thought were really fun as a kid. I watched as, as an adult and I'm like, oh, I, it, 
is missing a little bit. And there is something to be learned in that dichotomy, and I'm still puzzling through it as we go through. We're halfway through the series. You can find it at 4millionyearslater.com and in podcatchers everywhere. So, ready, Rob? For... Yeah, I'm ready. That's I love that show. It's I, I've, Honestly, 2020 has been greatly helped for me because of the 4 Million Years Later podcast. Oh, that's kind it's of a, you. It's like this, it's nourishing, it's relaxing, and it's it's like your storytelling, educational curiosity, um, workout considering characters and plot and all that. It's it's wonderful. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great sweet spot for me. I've listened to most episodes more than once. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that says a lot. Um, there's plenty of other stuff to to read and look at, um, but four million years later should be on your podcatcher. All right, um, and really quickly, if um, you know you're 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 interested in in like how I share information and and describe things and whatnot, well, I, I teach some workshops. I've got a variety out there, but two that are um, I think really important. To, to highlight um, that you can find in a couple of different places. So an easy place to go to, to get to where makes sense to you to pick that up or purchase it would go, go to robstenziger.com, click on the store link. And here you are with my online workshops, drawing user journey maps, and then customizing your next creative challenge. Um, each of them is uh, a great resource to, um, to, to do some problem solving. You've got drawing user journey maps. You're going to, um, try to, it's kind of like what Jersey, Jersey just described about 4 million years later and the experience of being you know, like taking on different perspectives in, as, as you grow through different ages, drawing user journey maps helps you take on perspectives of all kinds of things, your audience, different kinds of people in your audience, your, your, your team and the people you work with, you value different things. Success means something different probably to someone who's an engineer than someone who is a designer than someone who is in business and what have you. This, a, a journey map, that you do collaboratively can weave everyone's perspectives together and you see what's important to work on next for a given project and make a difference for your audience and even the people who work together on the thing. So that's what that workshop's about. And then um, customizing your next creative challenge is all about making the the practice and experience of, of you know, like working out through, hey, uh, 24 hour comic day, uh, NaNoWriMo, uh, pick a thing. Any any kind of thing that says, uh, I like the game, the idea, the temptation to join in on making, um, you know, just finishing a product in this kind of, uh, maybe it's the community that you like. Maybe it's the um, the tools, techniques, anything. Or just the idea of saying, I'm going to commit and get there across a finish line in some chunk of time in a certain way. Well, there's still a lot to it. Creative challenges get put into the world by you know, all kinds of different folks like lean into art does, uh, art sound off every November is when we celebrate that. And just because that creative challenge exi exists, doesn't mean you have to do it exactly like they're saying it should be done or the ex examples you've seen. This workshop lets you really dial in and figure out what makes sense to you and your goals and how do you want it to feel to do that, uh, that effort. Are you making uh, this, are you doing this for the experience? Are you doing this for the community or, uh, to learn, to practice or to make a product, any of that, or all of it could be woven together in the plan that, that makes it worth your time. And that's what this workshop sets you up to do. So both of those are available on Gumroad and Skillshare, easy links to get to that on my website, robstenzinger.com. Super. 
uh, and I put the link into the, the chat for everybody, so you can click on it right now. You don't even have to remember it. Uh, the last thing we hope you'll check out is the Lena oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah. The last thing I hope that you'll check out is the Lena Tart Discord, and I posted the invite link in the chat as well. The invite link is in the show notes for this episode and every episode. We have a forum where you can come hang out with us and chat with us in a time-shifted manner and even comment on the show as it streams live in the Discord. Um, or use it as the chat when we're uh, streaming live on wherever you watch us, on Twitch or YouTube or etc. So... Thanks to everybody who has been hanging out there and uh, sharing with us. Um, you know, we have three public channels and three channels that are for people only uh, who only support us on Patreon. Uh, only for people who support us on Patreon. Bad grammar. Uh, please join us there, the Lena Twart Discord. Uh, it's it's been a lot of fun to talk with everybody there. Okay. So, is it time for that thing that we call the two minute practice? It is. Definitely time for two-minute practice. Hey, Jersey. Hey, Rob. Uh, what? What's what's up? Like two-minute <laughs> practice. It. Uh, we we try to do this microcast uh, special segment on the main show. Either way, you can take part in in this exploration of it, learning stuff is fan, is is wonderful. But then it can get so expensive if you if you well maybe you take on creative challenges or you do. Um, I mean, even trying to add it to your goals or whatnot, but then, uh, like, what if it didn't have to be so expensive to learn and try new things? So here you go. That's our, our approach is to try things with the two minute practice. Just try, take two minutes out of your, your day. And we all know that two minutes just sort of fly away like <laughs> all over the place. Take, you know, just a little bit of a scroll on, on one of the social media sites. Do one less of those, and here you go. You got time to try something new. Who? Yeah, like let's let's take two minutes out of our doom scrolling and put it towards something uh, that is feels a little bit more nourishing. And last week, we're last two weeks, we did uh, a brainstorm, excitement, and encouragement um, practice, and then you came up with this idea for this time around: um, gather inspirational work and ask yourself why. Have a two-minute session with yourself when you gather some things that inspire you. What is it about them? Um, this is this is uh, practicing that thing that we've talked about in the show a trillion times, the analytic eye. The moment something makes you feel something, ask yourself, what, why, what, how, what's it doing? Um, because in there is probably useful stuff that will inform your art. I, I, would, I would argue it's, art, it's informing your art one way or another, but it's cool when you can like think about it and name it, articulate it, for a variety of reasons, right? So, um, what what you what you wind up doing for your sessions, Rob? Well, I did about four sessions, and they meandered a bit because it's like I opened a little can of worms with this practice for me, where I I did um, I captured a, a a variety of inspirations that I thought. I just, I just let them come out of my head and I didn't ask why as I was capturing them. But I mean, things like, uh, Linda Berry, Scott McLeod, Bruce Lee. And of course I'm thinking of their works also, but I'm not doing like a great bibliography while I'm doing a two minute practice. You know, I've got a timer going and I'm just letting ideas come out of my head and not editing. And, um, 
things like uh, My Hero Academia, One Piece, Dragon Ball Z, Robotech Season 1, <clears throat> um, Scott Pilgrim, and uh, Invincible, two comic series that uh, – there's lots of other comics I love and enjoy. I mean, Ghost Rider, but didn't come to mind when I wrote this, right? Mm. Um, and man, many, many others that are you know more recent. But um, you know that's a funny thing about this kind of recollection. So another thing, music, uh, Unleash the Archers, and – uh, games, Devil's Crush, um, Card Fighters Clash, uh, Thunder Force 3, um, uh, let's see, uh, Street Fighter 2, on and on. Like, there's a variety of, of um, games that uh, that I've played that, like, I could think of probably hundreds that, that somehow influenced me in some way where I'm like, you know, just way back where I thought, well, what if I do some, you know, what if I make video games as my career, right? And that's kind of where a lot of things started for me. Anyway, so on this list, are, it hit me in my second practice session. I'm like, there's, this is a weird list. This doesn't remind me of other times where I've captured things that, are, that have influenced or inspired me, right? Hmm. And it's, but, but some things are here and some aren't. So like second session, I was really distracted with this idea that, and I just went with it, that that's kind of how I, this practice went each session. I was distracted by something about this thing and I went with it. So, um, I, I was like, what is that old inspiration exercise I did? And that was, um, uh, this, this influence map thing that we, I think we both did this a few, you know, like a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this templatized, Hey, wouldn't it be fun to show gratitude and hat tip and celebrate all the stuff that it has that, that's infused in what you make, right? And I'm like, yes, it's totally like influence map, inspiration. That's same page for me, really. Um, so I uh, like I looked at my old influence map, and there's things like yeah, I don't know, Fooly Cooly, Strong Bad, Sea of Monsters. Oh, there's Robotech, um, a comic called Meridian. Dragon Ball Z, surprise, bunch of video games. Oh, anyway, that kind of stuff. And and it was, um, this was a little more thorough in some ways because it wasn't like a two-minute practice exercise. This took a little bit of hunting and, and you know, picking and choosing and pruning. And hey, by the way, look at that. There's a, there's, um, in well, in my influence map, which isn't on the screen, that Preston Blair book I took a photo of and is in there. I'm going to see if um, I can find it the, in image, uh, Google image search. Um, there's a, I did put a clip in our um, show notes, too. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, I'll grab that. Um, I had a heck of a time uh, finding it on the internet, and because I, I know I shared it, but can't find it. <laughs> there we but, go. Uh, yeah. So there you go. That's that influence map exercise. And that, so, yeah, so I hit, I hit go on session two, and I'm like, it, it's really bugging me like this, this list versus that list. And what's that about? So, um, and I'm like, uh, and then that's what I did in session three It's like, well, why did that change? Um, cause in session two, I succeeded in just sort of finding and then looking at that where I just, you know, I could did a quick search on the internet and then I searched my hard drive by the way, how I found it was this. Um, so in Matt, for some reason, the command line search in Mac is better for me than just using Spotlight hmm. and uh, and uh, the Finder search. So if you use a command line, you can use uh, it's called MD Find. So if you do MD Find, some terms, 
And then if you have a strong clue as far as what kind of image or thing you're looking for, like a PDF or an image or whatever, you can put in quotes, um, kind colon PDF, kind colon um, JPEG, uh, JPEG, right? And that's what I think I found that did. And it was like, you know, influence, da, da, da. And, and it was like, I found it, boom, on my hard drive. It, it really, and, but that's all I had time for then. I was like, okay, at least I see this thing. Anyway, um, session three, it was like, well, what's the, like, how did this, how did these two things relate? Like, is it just like top of mind versus more stored in the background? And, uh, and I realized that, that, so this was a one way of asking why, uh, but not really what was framed in the initial practice. And it's, uh, all those influences are still there is what I realized. It's not like they, they no longer matter or I can somehow I've cut off that part of my brain or something like that, or it fell out or it's gone. I, I had big feelings when I looked at that thing again and I'm like, no, these all matter. It just, um, motion, time, things change. what's close at hand and you know, it's okay. Um, and so in a way like, and there was one obvious thread from Dragon Ball Z to one piece to my hero academia and it's like, well, not really, you know, rocket science figuring that one out. But, <laughs> um, but I do find it interesting if I could do, like describing to you why each one of those is important or, or has affected me, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that does evolve. Like, uh, like in my opinion, my hero academia is is a is, as a writing voice something I want to be affected more by, right? Because of the, um, like the clear characterization of so many different characters, so incredibly well done, like, um, with interesting nuance and depth that, um, you know, yeah, there's, there, there are emphasized primary characters. And then of course it's, it's doing this whole, um, serialized entertainment with big stakes, superpower type stuff. Right. And all those, shows are doing that but my hero academia is doing it in kind of a way where their serial serialization is more refined right it's like it's not like and you know like i had a i have a workshop that i made dust off called uh writing and drawing serial serial comics the dramatic reveal because i care a lot about like how in the heck are these things affecting me so much where i just uh you know like the i know they're going to leave an open question and why do I care and all that? And, and anyway, uh, my hero academia is doing a lot of more nuanced, um, kinds of questions it opens and the rhythm of how it does it and when it does it is so much more refined. And I, I'm yeah. Anyway. So anyway, session four, I try to get back to asking why, um, again, uh, and, and, uh, I think I'm kind of covering this a bit where, um, it's sort of like part two, part two of that, you know, yeah, there's the feelings of the old stuff and the new stuff and a little more nuance about what stands out about the new stuff. And what really, what really sort of came to the top was this combination of Linda Berry and Bruce Lee, <laughs> um, being really important right now because of the kind of book that I'm working on. And, uh, and it was, it's like all this influence is welcome feel great things and love for all of it. 
And uh, because I'm focused on a particular thing, what stands out as an influence are that's that's what stands out. And and I would say for Linda Berry, it's Linda Berry. It's like this combination of um, uh, flexible, expressive um, nature to the extent of chaos, but thoughtfulness to the extent of great philosophy, right. In like how she's able to like weave together these complex tapestries of experience and ideas so joyfully and clearly and yet with so much variety and, and then Bruce Lee, it's, it's from reading the, um, rereading parts of, um, uh, the, the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, I think. Mm. Yeah, that's what that is. So anyway, um, which is really poetic and incredibly and incredibly practical. It's poetic and practical and it's for its application, for its intent. But I think it's one of those kinds of expressions, one of those works when someone has ideas that are so portable, it carries across to from drawing or kicking, right? I mean, it's both... It, both both practices one could find applicability in when when Bruce Lee is describing um, getting caught up in your own thought as opposed to being in in the in the moment and uh, committing to the action and all that kind of stuff. I don't have quotes ready, but it's that kind of feel that mm-hmm. comes to mind from that. Okay, get out of so your that's own where way. I went with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Interesting that you like you had sort of a meta journey uh, in like to get to talking about your like like things that inspire you. Um, so that that I just think that that's worth like restating is part of the premise of the two minute practice in general is that like you have a new relationship or at least a um, it sounds like you have a more explicit relationship with the things that inspire you and where they where their volume or temperature fluctuates based on what else is happening in your life. Hmm. I like that summary. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, they're still with me, but like which one stands out? It's depends on what I'm near. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it doesn't seem that dissimilar from like, there's like a a George Harrison album, uh, dark horse. It's one of my favorite albums, but it's like, I only listen to it and I'm feeling really bummed out. Like it's my bummed. It's my go-to I don't hmm. feel good about life right now. I need to listen to this because he doesn't feel good about life in that. And it like really connects me with that sadness in like a really like 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 uh, visceral way. Um, but like as a general rule, I don't like just like, oh, I can listen to that anytime. Like it has a specific like function in my life, right? Like I think if I, there's things in my life that are like that. Like they, they are whatever I'm in proximity to in terms of thought, intention, emotion, that becomes something that I find to be extra or the, the meaning is more direct and it just happens and I don't have to look for it. Um, Oh, that's, yeah, it is a lot like that. It's, it's that not every thing in this tapestry of influence has to be always at 100 in, Mm -hmm. you know, opacity. It could, can it can fade and be in the background and, and all that and so like yeah picking up an that that's interesting an album for a functional thing that's also an emotion hmm. yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I, well, and it, but I also love what's what's kind of implied in there, and you can you know correct me for sure if I'm if I'm totally going astray on this, but like it points to this idea that like identity is a very layered and nuanced thing and it can be informed by so many you can you can carry so many different pieces of different things and the identity when we when we talk about it i think this is something that is worth discussing now is this idea of like identity isn't this like in you can't hold up the influence map and say this is who i am right um <laughs> it, it it sounds yeah. tidy and it sounds like it's it's perfectly serviceable when you're like in those years where you're trying to discover identity, right? Like, well, I'm, I'm this now, I'm that now. And that ex kind of experimentation is like healthy and awesome. And like one of the most wonderful aspects of being a young person, but like, it's, that's an exploration. It's incomplete. And there's parts that become sort of invisible to you. And it's worth investigating this every once in a while to find out like, well, when people say like, speak your truth, what is your truth? Well, I, I feel like an exercise like this could be part of like, plumbing that you know mm. well that's another pretty interesting connection and also a giant door you just pointed at <laughs> because yeah yeah you can kind of get near um like feel like okay i know i feel kind of ready to say like what is my truth but it's like it's made of a combination of things of right now and where I'm at and what I'm next to, uh, and what happened just before. And I don't know, that's how, uh, that's, that's really cool. Interesting. It, 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 this is, this is only top of mind. Cause I just finished a book recently where that was the theme of the book. It was like, it was made for mm -hmm. high schoolers and it, the whole premise, the thesis of the book was, is like, I'm experimenting with different groups. This new group has taken me in. They say, you're one of us. Like, well, I am, but that's not all that I am. Right. And like it's that that's the revelation mm -hmm. that the character has. That's not all who, who I am. I am part of you. I'm part of this. I'm part of that. Um, so I immediately thought of that when you were describing this journey you were going on of like, well, but did I leave anything behind? You know, well, no, it's just it's not as it's not it's not the temperature isn't as high on that right now because you're doing other things. Um, so and. Mm. And it's so funny, like when I think about my, I did three practices and I just, I have such a built in habit now of trying to simplify everything down to like, give myself a whole bunch of constraints. So I only focus on one thing. So I asked myself, okay, how am I going to make this manageable for me? Cause I can like look for ins inspiration happens all over the place. I'm like, okay, well let's just pick three different media. The, and, and my original goal was I was to do multiple entries of the three different media. I said, okay, so let's do something that's like uh, story related, something that's music related, because I knew that would be another challenge that I'm not, I don't feel like I'm particularly fluent in talking about music. Uh, and then literary, like, like general story, it can be any kind of story, film, animation, comics, um, but then something that's like more like books, prose, right? And just pick some different names that you know you can talk readily about. Don't think too hard about it. Just say the first thing that comes to mind when I say animation. Go. And I noticed that in the past couple weeks, um, the G.I. Joe Real American Hero miniseries has been on my mind a lot. And it has to do with some projects that I'm working on. It's, it's kind of, a, I don't need to get into the weeds on that, but... Um, I don't spend a lot of time with the G.I. Joe cartoon series because I think there's some, there's aspects of it that like just don't feel as... Like, there's parts that I feel like, ooh, there's a lot of punching going on here. <laughs> uh, 
but but there's like there's like a lot of like this kind of like very specific to that particular um, media uh, that story a kind of joyful exuberance and so I was like okay well I'll pick that two minutes I'll try to unpack if I can write in words you know and so I, I captured you know what I noticed I was capturing things that would start out as very like one layer of it and then before the two minutes was out i hit another layer so i was i was pleased with that so like gi joe real american hero what is it that makes that tick for me well it, it follows the the story structure of three remote and deadly locations exotic but clearly dangerous only if you res if you don't respect them like that like i was i was like okay well am i into exoticism on this uh, or is there something else? And I'm like, no, actually, in every instance, when they go to the remote and dangerous location, the Joes are always respectful of the place. Don't touch anything. Don't disturb anything. This isn't ours. And the Cobras come in and wreck up the place, and they set off some kind of dangerous monster trap, you know? Um, and let's see, I capture joyful characters who seem to love one another and are, and are annoyed by one another. They both love and they drive each other crazy the way families do. Um, bigger, big, larger than life villains, not necessarily powerful, but big personalities. And then I captured, you know, something about the music combination of jazz, electric, and orchestral. And then for the music entry, I also went with, okay, what's something that's in my life right now that's very current? And I just got for the holidays, um, this new Stan Bush album. Are you familiar? You're familiar with Stan Bush, right? I am familiar with Stan Bush. I have, uh, I, I recommended an episode of your, uh, your show, what? Oh, Saturday Supercast, where you interviewed Stan Bush to a friend oh, because right. he also loves Stan Bush. <laughs> and uh, anyway, yeah, yes. and and it was it is a really it is a really fun episode and a great interview. And yeah, that's he's got that he's got that sound. Like, what what would you describe Stan Bush's um, thing? What's uh, his jam? Eight eighties hero knocking the bad guy down and living his dream, kind of. Uh, kind of storytelling. It's going to have a little bit of like conquering your enemy, conquering your, your, your opposition, but also like having like this hopeful sort of raspy voice scream at the future. <laughs> so it, 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 as a guy who does a Transformers podcast, of course I, he's on my radar because he did the Transformers, the movie soundtrack, at least like some of the more memorable, you got the touch, which was parodied later on, on what was that movie? Boogie nights or whatever. Um, but like, I love it unironically. And anyway, so I thought, okay, well, I have spent a lot of time thinking about Stan Bush music. Like you pointed out, I've interviewed the man. I can probably access some some thoughtful and useful words in two minutes or less. And sure enough, I it was a very low-risk way for me to talk about. If you asked me to talk about, like, Tchaikovsky, I don't know. I love I loved Tchaikovsky. Or, like, choral music. I love choral music, but I, it'd be hard for me to pin down, like, one piece and why I like it. Uh, it would take more than two minutes. So I went to things that I knew I could talk about very readily. And then for the uh, prose, I went to C.S. Lewis because his books I have read the most times. I've read a lot of different books, but he has a, a small subset of books that I've read multiple, multiple times that I can really articulate quickly uh, what it is about them that, that moves me. But I did find some new information in there. It wasn't just me, like, just, like, sort of reciting, like, the Manchurian Candidate. This is what I love about C.S. Lewis. It was, um, I, I found some things in there that I'm like, oh, you know, the, the, the urgency of the ticking clock, uh, let me bypass my inner critic and inner editor to get to some interesting ideas. So, um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, I, I feel is like that, uh, 
you, you have a little thing in the in the notes here about uh, about the Stan Bush. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to go into in that. Oh. Where you mentioned how maybe the the ticking clock helps you get past um, some kind of friction. I yeah. mean, so sometimes I don't know. You, I've I've got a, I've like, got a huge hang up with talking about music because I feel like it's oh. one of those things that I encountered um, some very explicit and particular shaming about like when I was like, and this is, this is me, this is me like putting my baggage on the table. This is totally my baggage, my trauma, and I'm owning it. I know this is my deal and I got to get the heck over it because nobody else cares. But like at, at a very particular point in my life, I encountered like a, a specific kind of shaming about like my relationship with music. Cause I just didn't have one. Like, at a time when it was really important to have one, I guess. And so it became one of those things where I was like, well, music just goes on this shelf. I don't talk about that with anybody because I don't think about it right, you know? And so like when it, when I chose music, I was like, uh-oh, you know, it's like you put a trap in the, in the water for you, Jersey. You're going to go in there waiting and it's going to be fun for you until that trap springs. <laughs> So I felt I felt a little insecure about like even mm. even writing thoughts that I knew I didn't have to share with anybody, right? But the thought of putting something mm. on paper that that felt like such a tender place for me in terms of you don't have the words to talk about this beautiful thing that everybody else experiences in a way that you don't experience. I'm like, well, maybe if I talk about something that I have a lot of relationship with, I can get there a little faster. And, and like you said, the ticking clock meant that I didn't have time to go like, oh, this is scary. Nope, just, just throw the lines down. Throw the lines down and stuff will happen. You'll see. Um, so th that, that part of the practice, too, I feel like it was just a re reaffirmation of something I do in my classroom. It's something I do in my work. You know, it's like every new project, that fear creeps in of like, this is the time when I'm going to find out that I'm a fake. Just put the lines down. It'll start to come together. Just put the lines down. Get in there, you know. So, yeah. I love that part of the mechanics of this practice and the meta of this practice where you are building a skill to try stuff that could be really uncomfortable or confusing or you have different um, – and that may be why you picked it because it's stuck in your craw and you're, you're, you're annoyed or displeased or um, loved, loving and confused or something where it just – you know that – you don't know what's going to happen, but it's two minutes yep. and you know, something will happen. You'll be okay after two minutes hap is done. And the something of like the overall creative process, like we're constantly facing our own fears and flaws and quirks and, and then keep going and keep iterating and building on that. And it's just, you know, uh, we, we just find good, find, find reasons. We can find reasons to say like, well, my flaws and quirks and where I'm at, well, that's not excusable. And, and it's like, well, it is, it just takes, yeah. that's part of the practice. That is part of the practice. So, all right, we got to figure out what we're doing next time. <sighs> I'm super tempted to go like, in like, uh, extreme difficult mode to talk about the like because there was that door that, like like this the idea of um I, I couldn't fully foot put perfectly put my finger on it right now but if i could hit rewind and replay part of the part of the show where you really were hitting at that um oh the like the, uh the, the identity 
that we assemble mm-hmm. through these influences and the the allure of holding up that shield of influences. And I don't mean shield as a protective thing. I mean it more as like a coat of arms. Like this is an emblem. Mm-hmm. And it says, this is what I'm all about. And like, that's, that's a very, I can see the appeal of saying that, but that is uh, a reductive statement at best. Um, maybe at worst, I'm not sure, but like it, it has a reduction in it that it, that is incomplete. So it's, yeah, it's functional, but it's not, it's not, um, a full system. Yeah. And there you go. It's in it. And that, that can, you can, that can be good enough at different stages, of course. But, uh, and, but I, I think that's a trap. That's probably me being tempted by challenge. And I, and I sense the challenge and I'm like, challenge is always a reason to do a thing. Um, but maybe not. Right. So mm-hmm. what about, what if we do something that is, um, playful and like, even though we know the, the, the new year is a just, it's another day, the earth rotated again and we're still, you know, we still are who we are, but like, what if it was like a fresh start kind of thing, like some kind of fresh start themed something, okay. um, like, I don't know, fresh take on things you drew before or uh, what are you thinking about this fresh start fresh start um see i thought you were going to say something like actually build on this one that we did this time and say like can you now take those influences and and spend two minutes ago at a go assembling language around your creative creative identity right (laughs) <laughs> see that's that's where that was where i was going okay. but i'm like i'm trying to resist my own habits okay. of like you're trying you know, to continuing to crank up the challenge um like what if just sort of you know went off in a different direction okay but okay. that is a strong one i like what you i like i like the idea you know okay well maybe i like that idea too much though. <laughs> okay well let's save it for a future one I, so based on this idea of, of of new beginnings what i'm immediately thinking of is how we're both going through a period of planning for the next year and mm-hmm. one thing that i am getting acquainted with and i have not done as thoughtfully as i could in the past is connecting with what my big projects are what are my big projects my big goals um and I, I spent a little bit of time writing those out. And I mean big big projects, big goals for 2021. So what if we spent two minutes at a go descri- defining what those big projects, big goals are? Big projects. What's something that's going to take more than two months to do? Big goals. What is something What is something you hope will be different through your journey? How will you be different or how will the world be different based on what you're going through these different things, things you're taking on? Um, write them out. And try to capture why they're so important. Why do they matter? And that's more to point toward um, language to help you in the darkness. You know, when you get to those points where you're like, okay, this is the, I'm in the midway through the project and this is terrible and I'm terrible. Well, it might be good to reconnect with those like reasons why, because I think that's what that part of what makes that darkness so dark is we've lost that lost, lost touch with that. So, what do you think? I'm I love it and. I can sense a I can sense a like a potential friction though that that I want to just address in in the formula of the of this two minute practice. So so what I heard is um, list list the goals and then um, describe what's why they're important, right? Yep. And I'm gonna say that 
what if it this what if it was any of the goals that come to mind right so cuz the like saying like there's almost like a built-in editor and i i try to watch for those when it comes to like brainstormings right yeah if 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 you have an editor that's saying it's only got to be the right ones it's got to be the good ones it's got to be the best ones right yes so yes. If, if just goals come out of your head goal why why is yep. that important right yep Okay. Let, let that happen without the editor. It would be my recommendation. This here's language I'll throw in that I use in my classroom all the time. I would say, let's wonder about goals. Wonder about goals for two minutes. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Great. Well, all right. I'll see you in two weeks, Rob. All right. Thank you, Jersey. All right. I think we did another podcast. So that wraps up 2020, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, for this, for this, for this world, for our, the, the multiverse of leaning to art. All right. Thanks everybody who showed up to, for the live stream today and who's been interacting with the show over this past 10 years now, <laughs> thereabouts. Uh, and, uh, you know, commenting, subscribing, listening, sharing. It means a lot to us. Uh, and uh, we'll look forward to doing more of this in 2021. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, we record the show weekly on Thursdays. It drops, it, it drops usually the same day. We collect it as a podcast at patreon.com slash leanatwart and leanatwart.com. Uh, until next time, I have been Jersey Drozd of leanatwart.com, Jersey Drozd on Instagram. And I've been Rob Stenzinger of leanintoart.com. And I'm Rob Stenzinger all over the internet, even Instagram. Okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart. And you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember... Leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.